1: Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today.
0: Hey, everyone. Before we get started with the episode, Kurt and I wanted to make sure you were aware that we have opportunities for you to support us for as little as $2 a month.
1: Whether you want to make that a monthly contribution at patreon.com forward slash MTSG podcast or a one time donation over at buymeacoffee.com forward slash modern therapist, every donation helps us out and continues to help us bring great content to you. Listen at the end of the episode for more information. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, modern therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Revival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast for therapists about things that we do, things that show up in therapy, things that are happening in our profession. And today's episode started with looking at a citation that was issued by the California Board of Behavioral Sciences to a therapist. This is public information. We're not going to name names, but this is part one of a two-part <laughs> episode. Oh, at least
0: two parts. Part
1: <laughs> Episode one of at least two parts dealing with this particular citation. And if you know us, that we can dive deeply into the strangest of things but this is an important one in looking at the way that licensing boards are evaluating things and this has some potential ramifications throughout the the rest of our profession if you're not in california your board may come after you one day, too. So listen Listen to these, because this does have some ramifications across our profession. Now, very, very broadly, not getting into a ton of details. If you want to peruse, you could probably pull this up. We're not going to link this one for you. But very, very broadly, a therapist was doing reunification therapy with a parent and children. And my understanding of reading through the citation is that the therapist used a curse word in session. A little bit of perspective in having done some reunification therapy before. There's a a lot of dynamics at play with the parent who's not in the room, but there does not seem to be any disagreement that a curse word was used. The disagreement seems to be how the curse word was used. And this particular case, one of the children in the room felt that the therapist was calling the child a curse word. The parent who was in the room and the therapist both say that the therapist was using the word to describe the child's behavior. The California Board of Behavioral Sciences, in their citation, said that this is unprofessional conduct. And this, amongst some other things that we will explore in this episode and next week's episode, are going to be why we're talking so deeply about this. But Katie, do you curse in session?
0: Well, shit, yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. I curse in session. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't always. I don't always, and I don't with every client. But I think there's so many different elements to cursing in session and obviously this one's going to get one of those explicit marks and so maybe we should have put a warning we already put it on the episode but if you don't like cursing turn it the fuck off um
1: (laughs) we'll put a little parental advisory label on the show graphic for this episode but
0: I mean I think, I'm actually cursing more than I would normally for a fact obviously but I think it's something where the elements that we need to look at are is it unprofessional conduct can we be human beings and is there an a reason that it would might be more effective clinically or times it might be really harmful clinically like I think there's there's a lot of different elements to this so
1: so I think anecdotally a lot of us who work in the fields tend to take an approach of, we'll adopt the kind of language that a client is using. And oftentimes following their leads and particularly in working with teenagers a lot in my practice, I'll get the question of, can I curse in here? Usually after they've said a curse word, but-
0: Yes, same. uh, With adults though, in my case- (laughs)
1: And oftentimes I I will say this is your space and if this is something that helps you to be able to express yourself well, go ahead and do it. And I may you know reflect back their language. It may give me a little bit of, you know more genuine approach and letting down some of my professionalism a little bit in order to help clients feel that I'm connecting with them on their level. And for many of the therapists that I talk about, We tend to take this kind of an approach that particularly when we're working with communities that have maybe had some issues with the way that therapists come across to professionally, that there's a lot of power in the language of using curse words that helps to show that, all right, as therapists... If we can meet with them on the level and the way that they express themselves, that it helps to build more of a real relationship. And I've seen this back when I was working in agency work, working in in substance abuse with homeless populations, that it did just kind of help give me a little bit more of a response of clients thinking that I'm authentic. And I, I imagine that you had some similar experiences in DMH yourself?
0: Sure. I mean, I think there's there's a few things that you said that kind of struck me, and I don't know if it's worth you know talking about. But I think there's using the client's language, and and you said kind of meeting them at their level. And I don't know exactly if that's saying like one form of language is better than another. And and for me, I, I I think I don't think that's what you were trying to say. But I, I think for me, it's more kind of embodying the space and using the language with them without a judgment there. But to
1: and me- and it wasn't intended as placing anything as far as being a higher or lower level. I mean, if <laughs> if, if I have a three year old in session that we're going to talk on, you know, our hands as phones in order to convey messages, I'm going to meet with them on their level. So this is just sure. kind of being able to match client characteristics.
0: Sure. Okay. Uh, I think the other element that you're talking about really is authenticity. And for me, I want curse words to be used in session where it feels authentic to do so, and potentially as a connecting mechanism. But I think just using curse words because your client does, I don't think is going to fly. So, so I think <laughs> a couple of things there. I don't know if they're relevant, but. But to answer your question, I think the more important elements of this is knowing your client well and really reflecting their language without assumption. I know a mistake that I had made more than once, and I realized it as I was doing it, is that I assumed that the client cursed and I was wrong. And I had used a curse word. I saw their eyebrows kind of go up. And it was something where I felt it was to reflect the, the gravity of what I've experiencing, like, oh fuck, you know, or wow, that was really shitty. You know, like I've, I've used those expressions because that's how I talk in other arenas. But when I saw the client's eyebrows go up, I was like, oh wait, I'm tracking back. And although they're a person who is not a formal person they seem to be you know kind of casual in how they speak it still wasn't a word that was appropriate for them and so to me i feel like i i have since moved to a place of cursing as little as possible unless i really know like meaning zero unless i know the client very well and we've had those exchanges and I've definitely heard them curse before which not everybody does because some people see it as more of a a kind of formal environment that we're sitting in but I especially had to kind of assess this when I was working with uh, the teen boys on probation I mean that was a whole different you know kind of way to connect with folks around language and perspective and so I think a blanket statement of never curse or curse whenever you want I think obviously that's not what we're here to say
1: Thryser is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryser to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thryser links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryser manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf.
0: They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash moderntherapist to get started and use our promo code Modern Therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.
1: When I first read this citation, I did a little bit of a, a self study on myself of just keeping track of the number of sessions that I had in the following days mm-hmm. where I used a curse word. And it came to about 60% of my sessions.
0: <laughs> Yeah, you definitely work with teens.
1: <laughs> I work with teens. I work with parents. I, I work with a, a number of different clients that our relationship has established. And I don't consider myself somebody who curses frequently in my day-to-day life. That
0: mm, So you curse more in session than in your day, day, pro- day-to-day life. <laughs>
1: probably. I, I mean, I, I haven't done this kind of uh, data tracking on my personal life. Maybe I should just for comparison's sake. but. In observing myself, I, I did the follow up question of well, why am I cursing here? And mm-hmm. it fell into a couple of different categories. One was to really kind of ask clients to expand on things like, you know, if a client says, like, you yeah, know, I'm feeling like shit today, or that's going to make me feel shitty, like, oh, why do you think that that's going to make you feel shitty? Then, sure. you know, just yeah. kind of echoing their language. Family sessions are my favorite of when. <laughs> especially with very young children. I'm talking, you know, those kids under the age of six, maybe preschoolers that are using curse words and parents are trying to correct it of, you know, talking about parents using the language in front of their children and how that's reinforcing to them and finding alternatives. And then there are those times where there's just kind of the emphasizing a point with clients that i've already had an established relationship with where yeah. this is being used being able to just kind of help them maybe recognize a, a particular moment in session as far as here's an emphasis on this but in my you know data of like one week of looking at this these were all clients that had been the first to swear in sessions
0: Hmm.
1: And I think I kind of follow you and, and many others in our field that we don't lead with this. And I don't think clients necessarily overall want us to lead with this. There's a couple of, of older articles talking 10 plus years old now that kind of look at the role of therapists swearing in session very, very minutely. And seems to be from times in our fields when there really was a lot more of this elevated professionalism expected of psychologists, therapists, social workers, et cetera. But I think, you know, really overall, with the old man shaking his fist, decaying morals of our society, where cursing seems to be <laughs> a lot more prevalent. I think in the last 10 years, this has been something where either we're more readily admitting it or our clients are actually looking for more of that humanity out of the professionals who serve in these roles.
0: Well, and when you were talking, the the concept of professionalism has a, a fairly biased frame. It's something that's very specific to a specific culture. I mean, typically white culture is more in the, like I am professional if I don't curse. I think even Words that are considered curse words, sometimes there's such a morality around that, and and morals are culturally bound that I feel like if we were to never curse, and and if we don't curse personally, I don't, you know, like you don't have to bust out a curse word if you don't if you never curse. But like for those of us who that's part of our communication, I think it is interesting that our profession and a professional body would say, Hey, that is unprofessional behavior when in fact, it may be the most connecting thing we can do. Like I said, I, I've I've made mistakes and curse when I shouldn't with clients that don't curse. and And I recognized it in the moment. But to me, there's using it thoughtfully. And then there's also just being who you are and talking how you talk and having the clients that match with you. I mean, there are folks who just that's how they talk and should they be required as therapists to completely remove all cursing from their their vocabulary
1: now you bring up the professional organizations and there's one professional organization who puts it in their ethics codes (laughs) And and, and this is the national association of social workers their standard 1.12 or 1.12, derogatory language. Social workers should not use derogatory language in their written, verbal, or electronic communications to or about clients. Social workers should use accurate and respectful language in all communications to and about clients.
0: So it's, it's implying that cursing is de facto disrespectful.
1: I think that in any ethics code, there's room for interpretation here. But this one is specifically talking about the language that gets used. And it
0: says derogatory language, I guess. So like that is that's where the interpretation is that you're talking about.
1: Right. Which then kind of leads to the question of who gets to decide what words mean? You know, this is a intention (laughs) versus impact sort of conversation because I can think of a million ways to not use curse words and still speak derogatorily about somebody. Sure. You know, and I can think of ways where clients may even be offended for not utilizing the kind of language that they incorporate into their world, whether that includes curse words or not.
0: Yeah, I just think if you were to, to when somebody says, I f- I'm feeling really shitty today, like you could come back and say, well, what what do you think is going to make you feel that way? But if you were like, so what makes you feel like poop today? <laughs> 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 like, I think or, first or, off, it would just be funny. But secondly, it's 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 editing them. Well, in the reframe, I, the I have
1: I have worked in environments before where clients readily use this kind of language all the time but have had coworkers who would try and kind of calm things down and be like can can we not use that language here can we use something more respectful and those kinds of coworkers didn't last long in those environments <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: yeah
1: some of looking at this is also looking at some of the neurological research that has come out in the last ten or so years about the effectiveness of using curse words as a way of relieving pain.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And we'll put some citations at least in the shoutouts. I'm not necessarily going to find all of the source articles here for people, but um <laughs>
0: uh, but we're going to cite we're, we're going to have citations, never fear. You'll be able to find it
1: we're We're going to have some citations here, but the use of curse words has allowed for people being subjected to physical pain to report on a subjective units of distress less pain being felt when they're allowed to curse. Mm. And this was also replicated in a mythbusters episode that so I mean if <laughs> so it if, has
0: if, to be true, it it's has mythbusters. to be true, yes. <laughs>
1: The question really becomes, is cursing allowed or not? And this is where we get into these weird, like, can we create blanket rules for our profession? I'm not going to be, like, leading cursing with my clients. No. Especially, you know, children. Uh <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think probably the parents would not be pleased if you taught your taught your child clients to curse.
1: Mm-hmm. And part of this is going to be based on your theoretical orientation. You know, if part of what your family therapy is, is working on creating structure around appropriate language in the household and kids are going to be cursing or not, or if that's something that parents are trying to move their kids away from. Uh, inevitably you're going to have to at least document (laughs) what you're working on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I think that there, there are clinical reasons, whether it's part of the joining and the relationship, whether it's authenticity, whether it's specific things you're working on. I think there are reasons to thoughtfully engage in cursing and session, you know, because I think otherwise it is really just about humanity. I mean, to me, in reading that citation, I'm not clear. So it could have been that the the clinician was speaking about behavior, reflecting back language from the family, and it could have been thoughtful, a thoughtful use. But I'm curious, having worked in a lot of these types of situations where there's reunification or DCFS involvement or probation involvement, where there's families that are under a lot of stress, they're being mandated to treatment, there are a lot of things going on. And those families righteously can be challenging for a clinician to work with, and it can be very, very overwhelming. And so to me, I'm thinking was this a clinical choice? I'm reflecting the language, I'm being authentic, or was it a, I am at my last, at my wits end, and holy fuck, I am done for the day. (laughs) And so it was not thoughtful, it was humanity. And and the question I pose to you, dear sir, is if we curse in session because of our humanity, is that okay?
1: So a couple of the articles that... Are out there. One of the people who has looked into this a little bit more than some others is Timothy J. 2008 article from Jay and Janischwitz says that in contrast to most other speech, swearing is primarily meant to convey connotative or emotional meaning. In other words, that you know, a word like shit does not usually necessarily literally mean a pile of feces. It means that (laughs) there is some sort of emphasis to it based on the context of the language. Yeah. I think that on that point of it's about the emphasis of it, speaking from a position of reality, what you're asking is is there an ideal language for therapists to use mm. and again i caution against blanket rules because there may be polite society that does find it extremely offensive you know one of the very weird things about our field is that you may be you know talking into your hand as a Mock cellular phone with a child in one session, and then your next session may be exploring the BDSM desires of somebody who is uh, exploring their sexuality. That mm-hmm. rules, even from one session to the next, may be impossible to create a absolute value, let alone a, uh, a strict rule of what ideal language that you can use. It's a very fancy way of saying it depends.
0: <laughs> well, I'm hearing a whole bunch of it depends, but I think there's that additional element of if I've, I'm have i at the end of my resources, I'm exhausted and something is thrown at me in session that I normally could catch and I don't. Um, and I basically start being a human in the moment because I have no more resources left. Is that worthy of a Of a disciplinary action.
1: Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered.
0: Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free.
1: We do have a responsibility to put ourselves in the best position to take care of our clients. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can imagine, and I've had frustrating sessions over my career that have stirred up emotional reactions in sessions and working through in, in subsequent sessions or subsequent communications with clients or former clients that there is a ownership of some of that humanity. Some people are going to be litigious. Some people are going to file complaints. You know, if I'm going to draw a line on this, you know, not everybody is going to want their therapist to curse. Some people are going to think it's the best fucking thing that's ever happened. But I think that there is probably an absolute line. And even this line is kind of gray in and of itself. But I think that there is a line that is probably the intention of that NASW code, which is where the use of slurs come in. And especially if there's cultural differences between the therapist and the client, that you know, if I have a client who's expressing, hey, I got called the N-word down on the street and is actually using the pejorative language there, even in all of my trying to connect with a client, Me as a very white therapist, I'm staying away from reflecting that word to them. Sure. But I think that, you know, in any of the expressions that we have, that being very careful about not using slurs is probably a line that we all definitely need to be aware of where that is and follow that one.
0: To me, taking what you're saying and adding my own thoughts to it is is really having common sense and making sure that we have sufficient resources available to either remain appropriate and not become offensive to our clients, uh, if at all possible. I think the the other element of it is kind of this common decency and respect. Mm -hmm. I think if one of my first jobs out of college was working in a group home with kids who had been removed from their parents homes or their caregivers homes and i was carrying a child i was working as a child care worker not as a therapist and i was carrying one of the children and hit a pothole in the road sprained my ankle and, and went down with the kid mm-hmm. <laughs> even in that moment when i'm in excruciating pain And the kid is crying because they fell with me. I did not drop the kid. I felt very proud of myself. I was much younger than I would have dropped them now. (laughs) I didn't curse. Maybe I would have felt less pain if I did. It sounds like from the study. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I did it because I was aware I have a kid with me and there's enough of a filter for me that I wasn't going to immediately go to fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So in sessions, having that much left, that much kind of super ego or that much uh, kind of observer mindfulness, whatever works for you, but having that much to say, even if I'm in a bad spot, let me first excuse myself rather than get to a place where I'm cursing without it making much sense Mm -hmm. clinically, I think is, is our responsibility.
1: I think that overall, what we're talking about here is trying to make a case that cursing's allowed. And I think that we've at least done a good enough job to say that we shouldn't disallow it. But there's probably got to be some reasons for, hey, here's why you don't. I mean, obviously, this citation... That we're referring to as far as the basis of this episode is necessary that at least in some cases you shouldn't.
0: I think that the know your audience is really important. We've said that throughout, but I think it's also understand the impact of your words. The thing that I grapple with, and I don't know if this is something maybe you grapple with as well, is that even when we're feeling especially human and embodied as a therapist, there is still a power differential and there still is. An expectation that we will show up in a certain way. And I think not showing up in that way shouldn't be taken lightly. There have been times when my humanity has come through and I've had ruptures that were not repaired and clients that left treatment, you know, not frequently, but that has happened. I've had clients who fortunately have been able to say, Hey, and, and it wasn't necessarily about cursing, but more that kind of humanity piece but I I expect it would also happen with cursing, but clients who would come to me and say, you were weird in that session with me, what happened there? And then being able to talk about what was happening behind the scenes. But I think there may be clients who have trauma histories around certain ways that people speak. There may be things that you would need to know before you really dig into or become, I think, too free in how you express yourself and your own humanity. I think there's I think there's times when having curse words in your vocabulary could be a hindrance to you in connecting with clients and keeping the environment safe for them.
1: What you're talking about is our ethical guidelines of client beneficence and avoiding maleficence that what we do is for the benefit of clients and we don't do the things that harm clients yes. and the history of you know polite society using proper language has been proven to often been an exclusionary way of keeping diversity out of professional roles sure and this has existed to today and i think that it, you know, there's always the default to remaining in this classical professionalism that is the guidance to avoiding that maleficence.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. When in doubt, be safe. Yes. But when clients curse first, fuck yeah, we're going to do it. Shit. <laughs> We will link to some articles here in the show notes. You can find those at mtsgpodcast.com. One piece that we didn't really highlight in the in the middle of the show that I think is worth pointing out is a master's thesis dissertation from Holly Ann Giffen from 2016 that served as the basis for us finding some of these other articles. Uh, We will include a link to that in our show notes. You can find those at mtsgpodcast.com and follow us on our social media and join our Facebook group, The Modern Therapist Group. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. Remember to check out Thrizer. They are passionate about making out of network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.
0: Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months. Thank
1: you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.